Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, where we help you live your faith in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me from her home studio is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Cross. Hey, Kit, you ready for a good show today? Yeah, I'm very excited, and I'm so glad that everyone's tuning in again this week, and I hope that each of our listeners is having a very blessed day. You can catch us right here on your favorite Catholic radio station each week at the same time. But if you miss an episode or want to catch up on past episodes, just visit us at mncatholic.org slash podcast. You can also find the Bridge Builder program on your favorite podcast app. Each week on the show, we try to bring you a great interview on some of the major issues impacting how we live our faith and public life. We also answer your questions in our mailbag segment. Be sure to send those to us at show at mncatholic.org or connect with us on social media. And it wouldn't be the bridge builder if we didn't provide you with practical ways to start laying the bricks that build the bridge between faith and public life. On today's show, we're talking about stewarding God's creation and and diving into the concept of integral ecology ahead of the upcoming World Day of Care for Creation on September 1st. In our mailbag segment, we're covering a question about what parishes can do in order to help Catholics prepare for the election. And finally, in our bricklayer segment, we have a guide that you can use to begin to put your faith into action and be a steward of God's creation. We're now joined on the line from New York by Bill Jacobs. Bill is the founder and executive director of the St. Kateri Conservation Center. In his day job, Bill is the co-founder and program manager of the Long Island Invasive Species Management Area. He's also served as interim director of the St. Kateri National Shrine and Historic Site in New York. He holds a Master of Science degree in Forest Resource Management. Bill Jacobs, welcome to the Bridge Builder Program. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Jason and Kit. Thank you for having me. Bill, what moved you to found the St. Kateri Center? What's, what's its mission? Tell us more about that. Our mission is to promote Catholic faith, integral ecology, and life. We're an all-volunteer, not-for-profit organization. I had been working in the 90s for a large national secular nature conservation group. And uh, although we did wonderful work, it disturbed me that we weren't really allowed to talk about God or faith. And so what I wanted to do was start a Catholic alternative to some of the secular environmental groups where we bring God to the table, where we can hear God's voice. What does bringing God to the table and providing a Catholic alternative bring to the conversation about ecology and stewardship? It creates a complete picture of the world around us. If science is wonderful and technology, but if that's all we have is science and, te- and technology, we're, we're not getting a complete picture of the earth and the world around us. The Holy Spirit is present and active in every corner of creation. And if people want to save ourselves and want to save the planet, it's critical that we consider God and show reverence for God and look to God for help. because We won't be able to save ourselves. So we created the Sanctuary Conservation Center so that we could share the good news of God and also employ science and technology. What are some of the traps uh, that an incomplete picture of environmental questions, ecology, that a secular viewpoint simply rooted in science and a technocratic perspective, what sort of errors or problems might that approach fall into without a complete theological and anthropological picture that you're proposing? 
I think there's a certain arrogance and assumptions are made that we know more than we know and that we control more than we really control. And we're working with ecologists without God. We're working with incomplete information. So there's a danger there of making mistakes, of, of not succeeding. It's important that we are able to follow God's plan to care for each other and care for the earth. And we don't really have much room for mistakes today. So it's important that we have science and faith and can use both together. We'll talk about Pope Francis's groundbreaking encyclical Laudato Si in a moment, but one of the points that he makes is that everything is connected. You've got a background in science and natural resource management. Does the particular limitations of the scientific method, you know, isolating problems and looking at them in the abstract, does that move us away from that whole mentality on some level that everything is connected and that's why we need faith in science? Oh, yeah. I think, think it, uh, it can do that especially when it comes to people and separating people from creation. We, we tend to focus on species, plants and animals, which is fine. And we preserve natural communities, forests, wetlands, waterways. But we, let, we leave people out of, the, out of the picture. What Laudato Si' does and what integral ecology does is it shows the interconnectedness between human ecology and natural ecology, again, so that human beings can be aware of their responsibilities. We're responsible for taking care of the planet. And if we leave people out, we, we, make, we create a disconnect there uh, between ourselves and each other, between ourselves and nature, and between ourselves and God. We're talking with Bill Jacobs. He is founder and executive director of the St. Kateri Conservation Center. He's also the program manager of the Long Island Invasive Species Management Area. Bill, say a little bit more about Laudato Si and its impact on the questions of faith and environmental stewardship. Has that, you know, the Pope Benedict was called the Green Pope, so it wasn't like Pope Francis, you know, invented Catholic environmental consciousness. But certainly Laudato Si has, was a watershed moment in the life of the Church. Say a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Laudato Si has had a tremendous impact on the church and the entire world, really, beyond the church, in a sense. It, what Laudato Si brings all of the church's tradition and understanding of ecology and the environment, it brings it to the forefront, uh, brings it all together in a, a comprehensive and integral way, and also points us to the future and the path that that we should follow. And I've seen, since Laudato Si especially, I've seen many more young people involved, many more parishes involved, and schools, religious orders. It's really done a tremendous service to uh, bring the importance of ecology, ecological understanding and action to the forefront of the church. A lot of people are confused by the term integral ecology. Personally, I think it's a fantastic representation of Catholic social teaching and the natural law. But what does that term mean to you? How do you communicate that idea of integral ecology in a nutshell or in a 30-second elevator speech? What, how do you explain that term to folks and what it means? I speak as an ecologist, 
a professional ecologist and not so much as a theologian. But as an ecology, we study relationships between organisms and their environment. If we look at that from a faith perspective, God is also about relationships. We have a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And those relationships uh, make love possible. The church is very much also about relationships with God, with each other, and with the whole of creation. So I think an integral ecology blends the human ecology, the whole human person, including our faith, with the world around us, and it shows how everything is interconnected. It's, it's a very ecological way of looking at things, and it's also a very faithful way of looking at things. Well, it's a worldview of right relationships, and, and certainly Catholic social teaching has focused on right relationships between persons, families, societies, but it seems that Laudato Si is bringing that, uh, that perspective of right relationships with creation uh, into clearer view and focus. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yep. What Which a, is a natural area for ecologists to be in because ecology is about relationships. So there's a natural connection between ecology and faith, I think. Have you seen Laudato Si have an impact on the scientific community or the secular community? Did it surprise people or, or help non-Catholic folks working in the ecological space to think through some of these issues in a different way? Do you have experience of that? I think I see in, in uh, discussions, dialogue with secular groups and scientists, I see a greater dialogue now between secular scientists and secular organizations and the church. And that's really a result of the work that Pope Francis has done to invite scientists and others from other faiths, other traditions, to communicate, to dialogue with us. That's helpful to know because I think oftentimes folks believe that these encyclicals just sit on shelves and don't get read, but from what you're saying, that they have a practical impact on the discourse in a specific policy, but also a stewardship context. So that's really... Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Especially this one. This one, uh, we've had the Laudato Si for five years, about five years. Correct. And if one looks at social media and uh, news media, you can see the interactions and the dialogue between so many different individuals and groups and the church that really wasn't there before. What, uh, in your perspective as a scientist, what um, surprised you about the encyclical or what really enriched your thinking in particular about these questions of ecology and stewardship? What surprised me the most at first was that there was an encyclical on the environment. The, the church has issued wonderful statements before, going back to St. John Paul II and even some before then, and of course Pope Benedict XVI. But to see this all come together in an encyclical, which is a major church statement, was uh, wonderful to see. And years ago, I would never have expected that. So that was a nice sort of a surprise, although we all knew it was coming for a while. We're speaking with Bill Jacobs. He's founder and director of the St. Kateri Conservation Center. And we're talking to him about integral ecology, Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato Si, and stewardship in advance of World Day of Care for Creation on September 1st. Bill, switching back to um, your work at the St. Kateri Center, tell us a little bit about why you chose St. Kateri as the patron of your center, but also why she's the patroness of conservation and 
integral ecology, at least according to some. Years ago, when I was first getting started with the Conservation Center, originally we were called the Catholic Conservation Center. And I, in the beginning, I wasn't really aware of St. Kateri. I came across a quote about then Blessed Kateri by Bishop Stanislaus Barana. I hope I don't mess up his name, of Ogdensburg, New York. And the bishop said, Kateri was a child of nature. Her sainthood will raise the hearts and minds of those who love nature and work in ecology. That was the first time I really became aware of Kateri, and I've had a special devotion to her ever since. Part of that is due to, of course, her tremendous faith and virtue in the face of severe opposition. And also because Kateri and the indigenous peoples of that time had a traditional ecological knowledge where they learned about plants and animals and forests and rivers and plains through thousands of years of direct contact with nature. So I thought, oh, this is wonderful. I'm an ecologist. We have an environmental conservation group. Kateri herself personally had a direct contact with nature. And in those days, a right relationship with nature, going back to the relationships, it's the kind of relationship that we need today. She, Kateri had a right relationship with God, with the people around her, with the church, and with the natural environment. So I couldn't think of anyone more perfect to be our patroness saint. What are some key initiatives of the St. Kateri Center to foster ecological stewardship uh, among the faithful? I work with two people on our volunteer staff. I work with Kathleen Henke, who's our program director, and Ronnie O'Brien, who's our coordinator for indigenous programs. We work on five broad program areas. I'll just give you the summary, the highlight. The first is our Catholic Ecology Library. Over the year, over the last 20 years or so since we started, I've collected hundreds of quotes and statements and writings on the church, and we, I put them on a Catholic Ecology Library. Going back to the first pages of the Bible, to the Catechism, to the Compendium, to the Popes, to Saints, we have hundreds of quotes by Catholic Saints about ecology, all faithful to the Magisterium. So that's the Catholic Ecology Library. Next, we're most excited about our St. Kateri Habitat program, which we started last year. And that is a program that encourages Catholics to create and protect habitats for people and wildlife at home and in their communities. So this is something that Catholics can do to restore native species, to promote renewable and clean energy right at home. Last year, we had more than 115 registered Catholic habitats. And what, one of the things that's especially unique about St. Kateri Habitat Program is that to be designated a St. Kateri Habitat, one has to have an overt religious expression on the land. And that could be a statue of Mary or a statue of St. Francis, for example. So the, the land has a religious expression that everybody can see, which is special. So we, we have, like I said, uh, more than 115 habitats in seven countries now. And that's just since last year. 
let's deep dive on that. I don't I hate to interrupt you, but I think that's pretty fascinating that what essentially what I'm hearing you say is that you can build one of these habitats in your yard, even if you live in the you know city or the suburbs, you don't have to live out in the country and it doesn't require a lot of space. And, um, you know, maybe say a little bit about the ecological impact. I think people are always wondering, well, what can I do? I can't really do anything. I'm just this small person in the world. But you're saying that we can build these habitats even in, you know, postage stamp yards in the city, and that's going to have a positive impact. Is that is that the case? Am I getting that right? Oh, you are. Absolutely. It's twofold. The habitats build our faith. And above all, we need the right relationship with God. So there's that religious component. And it also, the habitats also help with uh, biological diversity. And it could be a patio garden where one plants some native flowers for pollinators. It could be a backyard garden with native plants for bees and butterflies and birds. A vegetable garden, a brush pile for wildlife. Pretty much anything it can be on a parish. We have parishes that are converting their lawns into better wildlife habitat, and it's also better people habitat. It's both. The beauty of it is that it's a personal relationship with God and the world around us. Sometimes the environment tends to get far away from us. Say for a climate example, it's a meeting in Europe or a meeting here or there. And then Catholics are left out here. Well, what do we do? (laughs) We just sit and wait, or can we do something? And actually, the Catholics out here can do the most because it's by our faith and our actions that we influence the decision makers and we influence policy and we influence ecologists and conservation groups. And it all begins at home. So when Catholics understand that they're responsible for caring for their own backyard or their patio or their parish, it grows from there. It's like planting a seed literally and figuratively. Outstanding and inspiring. Thank you for that. We'll have we'll repeat this at the end of our conversation, but just say a little bit more about where folks can go to learn more about those St. Kateri habitats. Is that on your website? Yes. Our website is easy to remember because it's www.kateri.org. So that's kateri.org. We also do a lot in social media because we can reach the greatest number of people that way. We reach tens of thousands of people on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So in addition to the website, people can look for us on social media sites as well. And I think I've seen some of those habitats in people's yards um, on the website. So that's just inspiring to see that uh, be put into practice. So thanks for starting that initiative. Bill, our work in the Minnesota Catholic Conference is largely in the public policy landscape, but are there some pieces of legislation or policy initiatives that you think that Catholics or the church generally should be getting behind? There's a lot of great policy ideas out there, but are there one or two that you think could really make a difference? I don't know of a specific piece of legislation, but generally, I think any policy that helps Catholics manage their land better. The Catholic Church is one of the largest non-governmental landowners on earth. And as you know, we have about 70 million Catholics in the United States, many of them who own land. So any, it could be a church program or public policy that helps people manage their land 
to create more healthful habitats for people and wildlife. For example, there are some municipalities that offer a property tax break if people remove part of their lawns and restore native plant communities. That would be a wonderful policy. I think anything to assist the church, to assist religious orders, they own a lot of land too, to manage land and water better. Also in the area of clean and renewable energy, our St. Kateri habitats promote renewable energy. Any government policies that can help people afford that. There's often a will to have solar energy and to reduce fossil fuels, but it's often difficult to do in practical terms. So if there's government policies that can help subsidize or give a tax break or something to encourage people to move to renewable energy, that would be very helpful too. Yeah, some of those technologies or resources can be fairly expensive. Those are excellent ideas. Thanks for sharing those. We've got time for one more question, and we started to talk a little bit about some of the practical work of the St. Kateri Center. But as we prepare for World Day of Care for Creation, what are a couple other ideas besides the habitats that people can take with them to be better stewards of creation, Bill? I would love to see Catholics more involved with their faith. I would like to see more Catholics going to Mass, participating in the sacraments. Our faith, as you said earlier, is one of right relationships. That includes right relationships with the planet around us. So I think making sure we go to Mass, attracting people back to the church who may have left, attracting young people to the church, and living as better Catholics, I think is probably the the most important single thing we could do. And I often like to say that we're not trying to make Catholics more green. We're trying to make green people more Catholic because that's where the solutions are. That's where the path is to follow to a better world. It's the path provided by Jesus and the Catholic Church and their saints. Well, we can't expect to care for creation effectively or well if we're not in right relationship with the Creator. So uh, what a great place to end Our conversation today, Bill Jacobs is founder and executive director of the St. Kateri Conservation Center. Bill, that website for us again? Kateri.org. K-A-T-E-R-I. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us on The Bridge Builder today. A great resource as we head toward World Day of Care for Creation on September 1st. Bill Jacobs of the St. Kateri Center, thanks for joining us on The Bridge Builder today, and God bless your work. Thank you, Jason and Kit, and thank you to everyone listening. God bless. And we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment. Welcome back to The Bridge Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to jump into the mailbag to hear what questions you've been sending our way. Kit, what is in today's mailbag? This week's question comes from one of our Catholic Advocacy Network members. He asks, what resources can he use at his parish to help other Catholics prepare to vote in the election? But he also says he doesn't want to overstep anything and put his parish at risk of losing its tax-exempt status. What might we be able to offer to help him walk that that line? Well, I think there's a lot of fear about what we can and can't do or should or should not do. And I think the first misconception is to say, well, 
politics or things political don't belong in the church. Well, politics is, again, just that community conversation about how we order our lives together. And so we have to distinguish between voting and electioneering and the broader work of politics, which is, involves forming our conscience and informing ourselves about the right uh, issues and principles uh, that we need to make good judgments both in the policy sphere but also in the voting booth as well. And so providing information to parishioners about A, the principles we use to form our conscience, or B, the issues that affect human dignity, life, and the common good. Those are perfectly fair game, and it's also fair game even to introduce people to the candidates that voters can choose from if it's done in a nonpartisan way. So the first thing we need to remember that a lot of things can, in fact, be done at the parish level, just as long as we're not endorsing candidates or giving the appearance of endorsing candidates. And that's actually a very fine line and involves very specific words. So again, you could do everything from hosting an informational seminar on key issues that people should consider at the parish level as they enter the voting booth. We're promoting at the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and we'll talk about that in our bricklayer segment, Parish Town Halls. But the best thing we can do is to point you toward a resource on our website, mncatholic.org election. It's the guiding principles for parish political activity. It gives you a list of do's and don'ts, uh, cans and shoulds. And again, I would just underscore that there are a lot of things that people can do in the parishes to inform others short of partisanship. Now, sometimes folks say, well, we just want you to tell us who to vote for. Well, we're not going to do that, and the parish shouldn't be doing that either because it short-circuits that process of forming one's conscience and then applying those principles in concrete voting settings. Even within one parish, there might be different candidates on a person's ballot because they live in different legislative districts or different school districts or any number of things. So that it's, it would be an impractical impossibility for the church to provide a list of candidates or uh, voting directives regarding specific candidates. And again, it would short-circuit that process. But we do, what we don't want to do is to go to the other temptation, which is to say, well, that's political, and we don't do that here. That would be a mistake as well, both to A, misunderstand politics, but also B, misunderstand the broad latitude that parishes actually have within the parish setting. For a more specific list of do's and don'ts, we encourage you to visit our website, mncatholic.org election, or go under the resources tab and check out those resources there. And it's a helpful list of do's and don'ts uh, from our bishops about acceptable political activity within the parishes during an election season. Great. Thanks, Jason. And before we go, we want to always leave our listeners with some practical takeaways, ways that they can start building that bridge between faith and public life. What do you have for this week's Bricklayer segment? Well, coming up on September 1st is the fifth annual World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation. In 2015, Pope Francis established this day of prayer in a letter, he stated the annual World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation will offer individual believers and communities a fitting opportunity to reaffirm their personal vocation to be stewards of creation, to thank God for the wonderful handiwork which he has entrusted to our care, and to implore his help for the protection of creation as well as his pardon for the sins committed against the world in which we live. The Minnesota Catholic Conference encourages individuals, small groups, and parishes to prepare for this day by making use of the document, Minnesota, Our Common Home. The document was inspired by Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato Si. What it seeks to do is be a local translation and distillation of the key principles of that important encyclical that we were discussing uh, with our guest Bill Jacobs today. Visit mncatholic.org. 
org slash our common home to download or order the original document. There's a study guide version and an ecological examine. Over the six-week study, you or a small group can participate in exploring the key principles discussed by Pope Francis in Laudato Si and propose how we might translate those principles into concrete action as Minnesotans. That's all the time we have for today on the Bridge Builder program, but listeners, you can be part of our mailbag segment. Send any of your questions or comments to show at mncatholic.org or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Then tune in next week to find out if we include your question or comment. Remember to catch up on any past episodes online at mncatholic.org podcast or search for The Bridge Builder on your favorite podcast app. You can also become a sponsor of The Bridge Builder. Sponsoring The Bridge Builder is a great way to show that you promote bringing the Catholic faith into public life and forming consciences for faithful citizenship. Thanks for so much for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week with another great guest, more of your comments and questions, and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and for our producer, Kit Cross, thanks so much for listening, and have a blessed day. Take care.